This podcast is sponsored by Blue Butterfly, the go-to cocktail bar and place to meet on Earl Street, Maidstone. Bluebutterfly.co.uk. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay on Thursday, August the 5th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Plenty coming up, of course, including an update on some of Kent's athletes at the Olympics. But first of all today, we're starting off with news that a record number of people have again crossed the channel to Kent in small boats. 482 asylum seekers made the dangerous journey yesterday. The government says the numbers are unacceptable. French authorities also intercepted another 250 who were making the crossing. Well, Bridget Chapman is from the Kent Refugee Action Network. Sabre rattling isn't getting us anywhere. We're really lucky that we've only seen a handful of deaths so far and every one of those is a tragedy. But the only way to claim asylum in this country is to physically get here. So we have to find a way that people can do it without risking their lives in dinghies. One way would be humanitarian visas. Another way would be increasing the numbers that come via resettlement routes. But I don't think the government wants to do either of those things. They like people to feel that they're being overrun, and that just isn't the case. The numbers coming are relatively small. France takes three times as many, Germany ten times. And those people want to come here because they've got connections, a common language. You know, I work with young people from Sudan who think this is the motherland. We have to find a way of offering them safe passage to this country so that they can claim asylum, which is their legal right. We already saw a Kurdish family last year lose their lives and the toddler, Artie, was missing for months before he was found washed up off the coast of Norway. And we are looking at more people dying. We are looking at children washing up on our beaches if we don't find a better way of dealing with this. I think that we can't go on like this because I don't... I think, actually, the British public polling shows that they want asylum seekers to be given a fair chance. And I think that sooner or later people will get fed up with this tough talk. They will see that it makes no difference whatsoever, that people still come, still risk their lives. And I think that, I don't want to get to this stage, but this, the public won't, won't put up with with children dying and I think we're, we're going to see that happening unless we deal with it. More than 10,000 people have now arrived in the UK via this route since January. The government says it is taking action. Elsewhere today, police have arrested 11 people, including a man in Folkestone, in connection with the online racial abuse of England players after the Euro 2020 final. You probably remember Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho and Bakaya Sacco were targeted by racist social media posts after missing penalties against Italy last month. Well, the age of those arrested so far ranges from 18 to 63. Meantime, the Footballers' Union says the responsibility to tackle online abuse lies with social media companies. Figures from the PFA show more than two in five Premier League players received hurtful messages on Twitter last season. Maheta Mulango is head of the association. So you'd never allow anyone to just scream at you and there's no reason why... Someone, maybe a journalist, maybe a footballer or a politician needs to just receive this abuse and just be happy with it. Irrespective of how many abusive comments you receive, is just wrong. This is an issue we've spoken about on a previous podcast. We had a special edition where we spoke to former Gillingham goalkeeper Jason Brown. Do scroll back to listen to what he had to say about targeting those who post racist comments online. A Canterbury man who strangled his ex-girlfriend and poured cider over her in a row about a mobile phone has been convicted. Andrew Brewster attacked the victim at a flat in Herne Bay before later threatening to break her jaw. The 34-year-old from Cornwall Gardens 
Gardens in Spring Lane is due to be sentenced next Thursday. The Kent Online Podcast with Blue Butterfly, Earl Street Maidstone. There's going to be an inquiry into women's safety in Kent following the death of Sarah Everard. The 33-year-old's body was found in Ashford in March after she'd been snatched from a street in London by a then-serving Met Police officer who lived in Deal. It led to calls for more to be done to improve the safety of women, not just in the capital, but across the country. Well, figures show that here in Kent, there was a 9% rise in domestic abuse cases in the county last year, but it's feared many more still go unreported. I've been speaking to Kent's Police and Crime Commissioner Matthew Scott, who's leading the inquiry. Violence against women and girls is one of the most important challenges of our time and I think it's incumbent upon all of us working in policing, criminal justice and the charitable sector to come together to identify good practice, what's working well, but also to listen to victims and survivors to see what we can do better. We have challenges around Uh, the criminal justice system. We've heard testimonies from survivors in the last year or so of some real problems. Uh, And also we've had some high profile tragedies as well, which has really brought the focus back onto the issue. So it'll be a wide ranging review that I think is uh, timely. Obviously, we've heard about those high profile cases, sadly, involving um, Kent. But what is the data showing you to start off with? Well, we know that during lockdown, things changed quite significantly. We saw some fences uh, naturally drop, but at the same time, we saw things like domestic abuse on the increase uh, on a steady trend. And even as things have eased with the lockdowns, those reports have continued to come in. So um, what we want to have a look at is those emerging issues. Um, Stalking and harassment continues to, uh, was increasing before the pandemic. Uh, things like um, rape and sexual offences always uh, of serious concern, but also to get behind some of the hidden harms that we don't always necessarily know about or see, like modern day slavery and uh, and trafficking. So there's, it's very, very wide ranging, and I hope that we'll be able to uh, see some things that we can work together to improve. Obviously, the the awful, awful thing that happened to Sarah Everard kind of really focused everyone's attention on this and while something like that is incredibly rare for a woman to be grabbed off the streets how how kind of important has it been to focus attention on on looking at women and girls in particular is it something that perhaps hadn't been focused on as much as it should have been in the past well i think that locally within policing we had a good focus on these issues through the establishment of Uh, vulnerability investigation teams and and, and rape investigation teams as well but I think that what happened with um, with Sarah uh, a lot of women saw other issues attached to it that maybe that had affected them about being safe when they go out at night around uh, strangers um, trying to either accost them or or talk to them and you know changing their route home there's so many other things with that with that story not just the fact that um, what happened to her may have been rare, but there were so many other elements of it which came alive through um, that case. So um, I think we owe it to women and girls everywhere to ask those questions. Where do you feel safe? Where do you not feel safe? Have you had to change your behaviour because of concerns that you've had in your local area, in your town centre? That's why we want to do this so that we don't just look at the data that we know, but we try and get behind those stories and listen to victims and survivors and people who maybe haven't directly been affected by it, but maybe have had to change their 
uh, behaviour because they feel threatened. On our socials today, we've been asking women in Kent if they feel safe. Well, this is what some of you have had to say. Stacey Webb says, no, why on earth should we? Nothing has been done to change anything. And when the conversation steers towards women not feeling safe, we either get told not all men or what about the men that are also attacked? We're not even allowed to discuss it without men jumping on it. Catherine Cartwright adds, no, I have no faith and trust in our systems, especially the police. Shana Leanne Dines says, most definitely not. With the rise in youngsters being aggressive as well as all other predators out there, we should be able to rely on the police, but they either do nothing at all to protect us or are added to the list of people we need to be protected from. Harry Ford has got involved in the debate. He says, I don't feel safe on Kent streets. How can you expect women to feel safe, even though most women nowadays could probably defend themselves better than most men? Sophie Cooper finally says, nope, I don't even like walking alone or with my children in the daytime, so I definitely wouldn't do it at night. It's scary out there now. Well, you can still let us know what you think and a report on recommendations from the Police and Crime Commissioner following that inquiry is due to be published in the new year. Kent Online News. Bosses in Canterbury believe two new bypasses either side of the city could solve traffic issues there. Relief roads in the west and east are among plans being considered to change the layout of the district's road system. It's hoped the new roads, one from Sturry to Bridge and the other from Harbledown to Whitstable Road, will reduce congestion on the ring road. Some good news for drivers on the Isle of Sheppey meantime. Gasworks are set to finish two weeks ahead of schedule. The Queenborough Road in Halfway has been closed, causing long delays around the island and it's now hoped the works will be finishing next Monday. Two people have been arrested following online fraud in Canterbury. Fake adverts relating to sheds for sale are reported to have been circulated on social media, with victims transferring cash but not receiving what they ordered. A 28-year-old man and 36-year-old woman have been released under investigation. A Kent mum, who used to drink up to seven JD and Cokes a night, has managed to lose almost 10 stone after falling over and not being able to get up. Claire Friend, who lives near Canterbury, used to weigh 21 stone but decided to give up junk food and takeaways a year ago. The 44-year-old feared she'd end up bedbound. We can see incredible before and after pictures and read her story at Kent Online. Also on the website, you can read about the fascinating history of an Anglo-Saxon relic which was discovered near Canterbury exactly 250 years ago. The Kingston brooch was found in an ancient burial mound by an 18th century reverend and his son. It's the largest and finest piece of its kind ever unearthed and is now on display at a museum in Liverpool. A theatre in Folkestone is getting ready to reopen 17 months after closing because of the pandemic. The Leeds Cliff Hall has been shut since the first lockdown in March last year but will now welcome audiences again from August the 20th. And Kent's biggest LGBT event is set to be headlined by a 90s boy band as it returns for the first time in two years. Canterbury Pride organisers have revealed that five will take to the stage in the Dane John Gardens following a parade through the city on September the 11th. They'll be joined by stars from RuPaul's Drag Race UK. Kent Online Sport. A Thanet man who helped to initially set up Skateboard GB says there's been a huge surge in interest in the sport since it featured for the first time at the Olympics. It comes after 13-year-old Sky Brown won bronze for Great Britain yesterday. Nick Powley runs a skateboard shop in Thanet and is campaigning to have a skate park built in the town. My mum and dad lived just around the corner there in their like, late 70s. Mum's like, oh, I watched the BMX park. It was amazing. That girl did the backflip. Blah, blah, blah. My dad has been blown away. 
you know, this is essentially something that I've been involved in for 35 years and they've paid no attention to it whatsoever. And now they're like, you know, I, I haven't seen them since the skateboarding's been on, but I know they would have watched Sky Brown and they'd be like, ooh, and you'd be like, yeah, I know her. Going back on Sky Brown, obviously, that it was amazing for people to see to see that. And at such a young age to get to become an Olympic medalist is, is pretty incredible, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, she's, like I say, I've met her a couple of times and she's truly an amazing human being. Like, regardless of, even if she wasn't amazing at skateboarding, as, like, I've got a like, seven-year-old daughter and she thinks Sky is amazing. Yeah, and seeing these, seeing these sports on a world stage and seeing them doing it. And um, uh, obviously you run running Skate Farm. What has the footfall been like? We've seen a gradual, I'd say over the past few years, there's been a huge increase in noticeably young girls getting skateboarding. Um, when I ask them, I'm always interested to know why they're taking, why they decide to take up skateboarding. And it's, an, it's weird things. Sometimes it's like TikTok challenges and, yeah, the world's a changing place. So, but, you know, Sky has definitely had an impact. And, and the Olympics for sure, like, you know, in the last week, we've, we've sold a lot of skateboards to new beginners, definitely. Well, that's great because there's, there's, there's often a, a kind of masculine kind of look about, or traditionally there's been a kind of uh, only guys BMX or only guys skateboard and stuff, and it's really great to see that misconception completely. Yeah, I mean, that is a misconception because, yeah, obviously there's more guys than girls doing it. But I think if you spoke to, you know, like I know a lot of the, the female skateboarders in this country, and I, I think if you speak to almost any of them, their experience will be the same. They'll tell you it was a bit intimidating, but most of that was in their head. And once they went to the skate park and you're just a skateboarder, you know, that's one of the amazing things about it. You can be 15, you can be 50, you can be like any colour, any religion, politics, whatever. Just and you can catch Nick on the lowdown on Kent Online's Facebook Live from 6.30. At Tokyo, a new British record has been set by Team GB in the women's 4x100m relay heat. They won in a time of 41.55 seconds with Orpington's Dina Asher-Smith running the third leg, despite pulling out of the individual 100 and 200 through injury. The side are through to tomorrow's final. But there has been huge disappointment for Kent racewalker Tom Bosworth, the 31-year-old from Tunbridge missed out on a medal in the 20-kilometre event, eventually finishing 25th. And in football, Gillingham are waiting on the fitness of a number of players ahead of their opening game of the season this weekend. Captain Carl Dempsey, Alex McDonald and Ben Reeves didn't feature in Tuesday's friendly at Norwich. Robin McKenzie has missed all of their pre-season games while Ryan Jackson has yet to complete 90 minutes. Defenders David Tutonda and Max Amar are among those coming back from time off with covid well, that's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on our socials. That's Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus, if you subscribe to the IM News app, you can get access to all KM Group newspapers. Just head to subsaver.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Blue Butterfly, the go-to cocktail bar and place to meet on Earl Street, Maidstone. BlueButterfly.co.uk